Hey there, Simple Pen listeners. This is our final week of republishing some of our previous podcasts. We're taking a break so we can really get behind a good plan for where we're going with the Simple Pen podcast next. We always want to be committed to bringing you the best Pinterest marketing education. And sometimes that requires stepping back, looking at our editorial calendar and making sure we're giving you the best. So we've been republishing our most important and impactful podcasts, giving you a little bit of background at the beginning and then updating the blog post. This particular episode is all about changing your mindset with my friend Ruth Sukup. I got so much feedback from you guys that you loved this podcast. And I think it's perfect as we head into a really busy time of Pinterest marketing, marketing for your blog, marketing for your products, whatever it is. Sometimes we just need to hear someone else's story to be really inspired to make changes in our own. So to have a listen to this one, there's not a lot of Pinterest takeaways here, but there's a lot of business takeaways. And Ruth is one of those female entrepreneurs and business owners that I highly, highly respect. She has grown an amazing community. She's also grown an amazing team. And I just find her um, advice and her wisdom to be really, really helpful when it comes to building your business. So have a listen, just enjoy. You don't have to take notes, but just see if there's something you could take away from this episode and take me on Instagram, share with me what your takeaway was. I'd love to hear it. So as you know, we are taking time off, but from the podcast, but we are still actively teaching inside the Simple Pin Collective. So if you want to know more about our Pinterest marketing membership community, visit simplepinmedia.com slash collective. Enjoy the podcast. You're listening to the Simple Pin Podcast. Pinterest for business advice that goes down smooth and easy. Here's your host, Kate All. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. I'm your host, Kate All, and I'm the owner and founder of Simple Pin Media. We're a Pinterest management company based out of Portland, Oregon. We help manage our clients' Pinterest presence so they can focus back on their business. But I also have this podcast where I help you DIY your Pinterest marketing. Today's episode is all about how to change your mindset and move from just a daily pinner or blogger or just being in the weeds of your business to really scaling above and changing your mindset to think bigger. I'm interviewing my friend and client, Ruth Sukup of Living Well, Spending Less and Elite Blog Academy. And now that is merged into Ruth Sukup Omnimedia, which is a really exciting piece of growth for her. And we're going to be talking about her journey from 2010 to now and the things that she's learned along the way about building a business and building a brand. At the end, we're going to go through five top tips that she has for us and how you keep motivated in your business and not drowning. We also do talk about some Pinterest tips and talk about what it is she did in the beginning to really get it off the ground. But mostly this is a story of business mindset and business success over time. So I want you to listen in for some things that fit you and where you're at and how you can take and apply those to your business right now. So with that, enjoy my interview with Ruth. Hey, Ruth, welcome to the Simple Pin Podcast. Hey, Kate, thanks so much for having me. This is so fun. I know, I love it. And just for listeners too, Ruth and I have been pretty much chatting all morning. We did her podcast and then we did a meeting and now we're doing my podcast. So it's the Ruth and Kate Day show. It is, and it's like been the best day. Talking to you always makes me happy. Oh, and talking to you makes me so happy too. We just have a good time. And um, last time we talked about sparkly water. So who knows what we're (laughs) going to talk about this time. I'm on to a new can. I was drinking grapefruit. Now I'm drinking orange. I haven't started yet. Man, I got to catch up. You're two in. I am, but it's three o'clock here. You're still. Oh, that's true. I'm three hours ahead. That's true. 
Well, and I one thing I forgot to tell you earlier, which everyone will link to the podcast that I'm on with Roos in this podcast. So you can go back and listen to our conversation about sparkly water. But you know, in Oregon, we get money when we turn in cans, right? Like we get 10 cents a can. Oh. And we, we get charged at the grocery it's like store. Michigan. So, yeah, yeah. So it's not like yeah. free money. But we have um, like a six bags of cans in our garage right now. So it totally shows us to be sparkly water, like gluttons. Be- and this is like, and it, you know what I do is I'm so lazy and everybody in Oregon, like completely rolls their eyes, but we save them up and then we donate to fundraisers. Cause that's what a lot of like schools and churches do is they collect cans and then they turn them in. That's kind of nice though. Maybe I I am giving back with our bubbly water like obsession. I feel good about that. (laughs) I should. I should. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So moving from bubbly water into your business and what you do, I would love to hear that story. That story, the whole story. So it's a long story. Well, let's start. Yeah, it is a long story. So tell me about how you got started um, and what it is you do. And then we'll kind of go back into um, some other things. We'll, so okay. really what you we'll do and back. when you got started. Yep. Yes. So my company is now called Ruth Sukup Omnimedia. We recently Ooh. changed our name. So that's exciting. And it's it started as a blog called Living Well, Spending Less, and then sort of expanded into other areas. I one of the things that happened early on when I after I started my business, or after about two and a half years, I was doing well enough on my blog that my husband was able to retire, and so I had all sorts of people asking me how how did you do that? How are you making enough money on your blog? What are you doing differently? We I started my blog at the same time, and it's not making any money. Can you explain that? At the same time, I was getting a lot of readers who are also writing me to say, like, how do I how do I do what you do? How do I start a blog? So I ended up writing a book called How to Blog for Profit Without Selling Your Soul. And I had never really planned to write about blogging or talk about the business side of blogging because that was not what my blog was at all about. But it just sort of opened this whole can of worms. And people, instead of answering everybody's questions, which did answer a lot of questions, but people had more questions and wanted more help and wanted me to do coaching and give them more one-on-one help. And so I tried doing that for a little while. And uh, what I found is that, first of all, coaching is very time-consuming. And second, that everybody kept asking me the exact same question over and over again, which was pretty much... There's so much information out there about blogging. I'm so overwhelmed. I just want to know what to do step by step. What do I do first? Then what do I do second? Can you just tell me step by step what it will take to become successful? And I'm a very step by step sequential sort of thinker. My husband calls me an oil slick, like tells me I'm like an oil slick, right? Just take in a lot of information, but then I distill it down to the basics and to the, the essentials. And so I was thinking, well, yeah, I, I think I can tell people how to do this step, step by step. So I ended up developing this course that was called Elite Blog Academy. And that launched in 2014. And now, sheesh, it's been five years. We've had over 10,000 students or almost 10,000 students go through EBA. The most amazing success stories. We're now um, about to launch EBA 4.0. We've um, just continued to update it. In fact, Kate, you were at the filming for EBA 4.0, which was a lot of fun. And yeah, so that has just grown to be this huge thing. And then, you know, while that was going on, I was also still blogging at Living Well, Spending Less, started writing a, um, a couple books ended up developing a life planner called the Living Well Planner, which we manufacture and sell. And that's a huge part of my business now today. And then also just launched a podcast called Do It Scared. Whoa. So lots of different things going on. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, what I love about your story is that you never set out to do all of this, but at each no. turn, one thing opened another and opened another and you went yes. for it and you oh, didn't yeah. get scared. When I started, I was a stay-at-home mom of two toddlers and I wasn't even trying to start a business. I was just trying to stay out of Target and because my husband and I were fighting a lot about money because I had two little kids at home and all I knew how to do was go to Target. That was my way of getting out of the house. And so I'd go and my husband hated his job. He was an aerospace engineer and 
he made good money, which was awesome, but he hated every second of it. So he saw every penny that I spent at Target as as more time that he had to spend at this job that he hated. And so it would just make him totally crazy. And yet I was like going stir crazy at home. And so we kept, we were fighting so much about money, like to the point where I really didn't know if we were going to make it. I mean, it was, it was really bad. And finally, just one day we had this huge make it or break it fight. And I remember it so clearly because for some reason he thought that I bought way too many socks. Like I think I bought too much of everything, but socks were the real trigger point for him. And probably because we live in Florida and socks are pretty useless. I was just thinking that like, um, (laughs) you don't need socks, like maybe like a week out of every year. So we get into this huge fight and he's like, if I, this, that, that's it. I am going to put you on a budget and I'm going to give you a set amount of money every month. And if you want to spend it all on socks, then you can spend it all on socks, but that's all you're getting. That's it. Oh my gosh. I love that. <laughs> and I was like, I think I could do this. I'm like, and I, and I so I agreed to this because I knew, like I knew deep down something had to give to and I needed, I needed a change and I needed to do something. So I agreed to go on this budget to be put on this strict budget. And and that's when I was like, well, okay, now what am I going to do? And so the first thing I realized was that if I spent less money on food, then I would have more money to spend on socks or shoes or whatever else right. I wanted. And so I started um, doing coupons, like real hardcore. Like I'd sort of dabbled in in this ext- something. It wasn't called extreme couponing at the time, but I had dabbled a little bit in couponing before just because I thought it was really fun. And so I started doing like hardcore couponing. And then I decided to start writing this blog called Living While Spending Less. And as soon as I started writing this blog, it like opened up this entire world to me that I never even knew existed because I hadn't read blogs before that. I don't even know how I decided to start a blog. I just was like, I like to write. Maybe I'll start a blog. And so all of a sudden I'm like, oh my gosh, there's people that are like doing this for a job. They're making money at this. I I could do this. And I remember going to my husband going, honey, I have an idea. I There are people making money at this and I think I'm going to do that too. I am going to make enough money blogging that you can quit your job. Did he just stare <laughs> blankly at you? Like, okay. Oh no, my husband has never been without words before. And he, he looks at me and he goes, and you know, Chuck, yes. so you can probably picture him saying this, yep. but he looks at me and he goes, honey, that is the stupidest thing that you have ever said. <laughs> <laughs> totally and straight and, faced and totally straight faced like he not joking like that is just that's the, like the way he is like he's very like matter of fact that is stupid that's not gonna work you cannot make money on a blog this is dumb and then and if like you know you probably know this about me like the one way to get me guarantee that i will do something is probably to tell me that i can't do it yeah you were like so game then on. i was like game on and maybe he did that on purpose because he clearly knows that about me too. But uh, then I, from then on, I was all in and I read every book I could get my hand on, which at the time there was hardly anything. There was one book, um, Darren Rouse's pro blogger book, which I read 50 times in the first six months and read every article I could find about making money blogging and just started doing all the things and trying all the things and trying to figure out how to make it work. And eventually it did. After about two and a half years, like I said, um, I eventually was making enough money that my husband could quit his job. And then that sort of, there was still so much to learn after that, but that was sort of like this big moment of going, oh, okay, we actually did this. And then I felt that's when the real pressure started because then I was a breadwinner and then I really had to figure it out. Yeah. And one of the things that I love um, about I being able to kind of be in your story and hear your story is I remember that as well because I was working for a frugal deal blogger and I was doing all the couponing too. And it was this huge rise of blogging and you could make money at it. And there was affiliate marketing and Amazon. And that was like my favorite too. And actually fun story. I did a deal at one of the drugstores and I think I got so much deodorant that I'm pretty sure we like <laughs> just ran out of it. So you Oh, I still have panty liners that I, oh, from from those yes. days. I will never run out of panty never. liners for the rest of my life. Cuz they were always free with a coupon. Oh yes. yes. There was so 
many. Those days were the best. Like we joke it, we kind of get like the deal coupon shakes. Like, oh my gosh, what the store is it gonna work? Like, have a good cashier. You would like CVS. Oh my gosh, CVS was like my favorite. Going on to CVS, and I would go to four different CVSs, and yeah, oh, you would look at diapers. There was a there was a high on there. There was a high. There was a a, a, coupon high. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Well, and what I what I think is also interesting and um what I'd love to hear more about is that as you there was a lot of people who did this, you know, blogging and starting out and even, you know, because you and I have a lot of experience in this couponing deal blogging space, there was a lot of people that did it and then as they grew and the economy shifted, there wasn't really a space for them much anymore. So they kind of faded away. Whereas I feel like you did a really good transition and you've continued to go with where you've seen your people will need you to go. And you've kind of directed um, your business in that way. And I, I love, that's a hard thing to do. Like that's not easy because sometimes we start with something and we want to keep going with it. Like we, we want to keep doing couponing forever, but we're not in a recession anymore. Right, like we're in. Yes, well, and I think that that w- that was true to some extent. I wouldn't say. I mean, you're giving me way too much credit when you say that you, I, I went where my people needed me to go. I feel like my people have come with me because they're con- they're more connected to me, and I still have lots of people in my audience who now listen to my podcast, or they've become Elite Blog Academy students, or they use the planner, and they'll write me like, "I remember well watching your coupon videos with your little girls and at Publix and and." So I I do feel like that does happen, but you know that couponing wave that was the first that was the first time I learned like what it means to ride to ride a wave because I started my blog in 2010 um, and I you know I was reading all the things and trying to do all the things and so one of the things at the time it was before Facebook was even really very big for bloggers and the big thing was SEO. You have to be good at SEO and you have to optimize all your posts for search engine optimization. I remember like one weekend, I read like 13 books on SEO all in one weekend. And I completely binged. And I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this. I'm going to figure this out. And I started optimizing all of my posts for search engine traffic, even though I wasn't getting any traffic. I didn't really know what I was doing. And I was just trying to implement all these things that I was learning. And uh, then... I had been writing about couponing and I literally had about, I think probably like 10 readers at the time. And, um, but they, and then most of them were people like friends or friends from high school who I was connected with on, on Facebook. And I was writing about my own coupon shopping trips and what I was buying at the, at the store and how much money I was saving. And I remember one of the gals who was reading it, one of one of the 10, she emailed me and she's like, I love reading your posts, but I, I'm so overwhelmed by, I'm so overwhelmed by this, this couponing thing. Can you just like teach me how to do it step-by-step and make it really easy? And like I said, I'm really good at step-by-step instructions. And so I was like, yeah, I can do that. So I wrote this series called the beginner's guide to coupons and I, it was an eight week series and I broke out down the whole process, like everything you needed to do. And of course I was like adding all the SEO to it and being really like following all these things that I had been reading about. And then the show, and I'm sure you remember this, the show Extreme Couponing came out and it came out probably three months after I wrote that. And suddenly couponing went from being this sort of like side thing that nobody really had known about to being this like crazy thing that everybody was talking about and everybody wanted to learn about and everybody wanted to know about. And so every everybody started searching for how to use coupons and how to do how to start extreme couponing. And those were the search results that I was coming up number one for on Google. So all the So I had this yeah, all this time investment. So and I think like I love thinking about that because I think sometimes we think, oh my gosh, people are just like overnight success, right? And And that, you know, in hindsight, that did happen fairly fast. But I had also for six months been putting in the work with no readers of of doing all those things. And then I didn't know that show was going to come out. Like that was pure luck that that show came out. And all of a sudden, all that work that I had put in in on the back end all paid off because of that one lucky moment that that show came out. And suddenly I was getting tons of traffic to my blog 
and tons of, and then really great ad revenue because it was coupons was such a hot topic and such a hot search term. And that, I would say that like high from extreme couponing probably lasted about six months. And then (laughs) all, all sorts of bloggers came on. So the competition got like the market got super saturated and the sort of the initial interest also died down significantly. And then it was after that, it was really having to learn how to create a sustainable business. Well, and you had done the SEO work. So at this point, is this when kind of Pinterest came onto the scene and you started to work really hard at that? Or was Um, there something else before that? There was a little bit more. There was a little bit more that happened um, before that, I think. Like, well, during the couponing craze, then I, I was like, oh, and this happens. I see this happen all the time in Elite Blog Academy. I think bloggers, when they first start, they get really enthusiastic and want to start, like, think of all the blogs. I, and I kept thinking of all the blogs, all the blogs I needed to start. <laughs> and I would buy Domains. domain names yep. oh, and so many domain names and start all these blogs. And so then I was, I was like, well, I need to have a coupon matchup site. And I, you know, I need to have this and, I, and, a, and a like coupon site that's showing all the best coupons of the day. And so at one point, I had four blogs that I was running by myself. And it was crazy. And then it was like just this and what it was like a deal blog. And it was extremely um, time consuming. And I had people that were helping me, but it was, it was, and I was making some money, but not like sustainable money. It was exhausting and it was a grind and trying to keep up on all of that. So then at that point, I remember I finally decided to sell, uh, close one of the blogs and then sell um, two of the blogs to somebody else, the two coupon coupon focused ones, and then just go back to my original, which was living well, spending less. And I was feeling really burned out. And I just realized that I just needed to really focus on like on my core and my heart and where, where my passion and interest was. And I think when back to what you were talking about, about not wanting to switch or not wanting to pivot. Like I just realized that I was never going to be like, be happy in a business where I was feeling like I could never catch up. And that's how it felt with deal blogging. Like every day, every day was like pressing the reset button. And I didn't want to be in a business where I was pressing the reset button every single day. I wanted to be in a business that would make money in my sleep and that would be sustainable and scalable and that I could walk away from and take a vacation if I wanted to without feeling like my income was going to drop. I didn't want to have to be dependent for every single dollar that I made in my company. Sorry to interrupt you, but I will say like there was that feeling of like, especially in the space of couponing and deal blogging that you couldn't miss a day that you were like, what if there was a good deal? And what if there was this, that it was the constant, like you said, get up every day and push reset. And you were kind of like in the grind. Oh, every day. And then, and then like Black Friday was like the, the Super Bowl of of deal bloggers. And I remember this is actually when I decided I needed to quit because this is what happened. I, we went to have Thanksgiving dinner at some friend's house and I brought my computer with me because I couldn't like, God forbid, I would not be posting some stuff. And when we were going home and I had just bought a new MacBook, like I'd finally made enough money in my business that I could afford to buy a, a MacBook. And I was so excited about it. And we were going home and we were loading stuff in the car and we were talking and I put my computer on top of the car and we drove away. No. And we got we got like halfway and it was only like a mile. And we got halfway to our house and we hear something like kind of slide and then fall off the car. And we're like, that's weird. Like I I didn't it didn't connect with me that it was my computer. And then we get home and all of a sudden I realized what it was. We were in the driveway and I remember just freaking out and my husband like immediately went back and found it on the road but somebody had driven over it and it was completely like completely cracked and destroyed it's still like amazingly enough it still turned on and it was still like it still worked but it was completely completely messed up like not salvageable um to to or not usable anymore after that. And I remember just being so devastated because I was going to miss out on Black Friday and that was the end of the world. And my husband was like, this is not like, this is not the life that we want to live. And so that was when I was 
I just made the decision like I am done. I'm done with deal blogging. It's not for me. I don't want to have to have my Black Fridays look like this anymore. And so then um, I remember a few months after that, I went to a conference. So I'd already sort of really started working on just going back to my core and writing about the stuff I was more passionate about and creating evergreen content. And I went to a conference a few months later. And just in passing, I was talking to another blogger. And just in passing, she said something like, yeah, it was on Pinterest. And I had, I had a Pinterest account at that point. It was really new. And she said, I was on Pinterest and somebody invited me to this like group board. And it's I, I don't even know if I should be part of it. And I was like, really? A group board? And she's like, yeah, it was like a group board. And I was like, she's like, I don't know if I should do that or not. But I guess I could. And I was like, huh. I wonder what that's all about. And then, and so I went, when I went home, I started looking into these group boards and all of a sudden made the connection like, oh, if you join a group board, you get access to everybody else's followers. And that is when I really started diving deep into Pinterest and creating this whole strategy that nobody at the time was doing of of group boards and being strategic with my pinning and pinning a lot and and getting just massive traffic and over the course of like 3 months my traffic went from i don't know maybe 100 or 200,000 page views a month to over a million yeah that was insane i remember hearing about that and i was like how does she do this this is incredible and you were you were ahead of the curve because there were not a lot of people thinking about Pinterest at the time because Facebook hadn't quite yet changed their algorithm for everybody's business page. And so everybody was still getting a ton of traffic from Facebook. Oh, ton of traffic. Tons. Yeah. And so it was Pinterest like wasn't even on anybody's radar at the time until like right. the end of 2013 when the whole thing just stopped. And with Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Yes. And then everybody was like, where are we going to get free traffic from? Because the the glory days of Facebook are gone. And then everybody shifted to Pinterest. And you had kind of pre, you had done it before everybody yes. else got there. So because this was, I think I went to that conference in like the first week of January in 2013. And from January to um, January to April, that which is April of 2013 was my, when my husband quit his job. And he was really able to quit his job because of Pinterest, because of that leap forward. Okay. So tell me, because you told me before we started and I love it. <laughs> how many hours a day were you spending on your Pinterest strategy? Oh, it was insane. I was spending... I think like the people who are listening, the biggest takeaway is that, yes, I am completely obsessive <laughs> about whatever it is that I am passionate about right in that moment. I will like become completely obsessive with it. But I was spending at least four hours a day strategically pinning, like not and not all in one session. I would strategically pin in the morning and then in the afternoon and then in the evening. And so it might have even been more than that. It was so much. I was pinning everything by hand was not scheduling anything and was pinning um, pro like between 75 and 150 posts a day. It was a lot. And I had a lot of content because I'd been blogging at that point for... Yeah, I'd been blogging at that point for three and a half years, I think, or two and a half, two and a half years. But I had been posting at least three times a week for two and a half years. So I had a, quite a bit of content to, to work from. But I was pinning like nobody's business all the time. And were people asking you about that too? Did you get not just people asking you about blogging, but also about Pinterest? Um, I think people, that's when people started to recognize my blog name actually, because they started seeing me, my pins on Pinterest so much. They were, everybody was like, cause I was like half of Pinterest yeah. at that point, I think with all the pinning that I was doing. And so that was where I was actually really getting a lot of traction and a lot of name recognition. Cause I had been putting my name on all my pins. And so people started to see, to to see that. And then I think what, one other thing that I had been doing at that time was a um, like a weekly um, link party. Oh, do you yes, remember those? Do. Oh, yeah. Do they still do those? Um, I think they like Parties? call them like pods now. Like they're still around just like different oh. form, but I remember. They're called different. Yes, names. but they're still around. 
Yeah. So a lot of bloggers would come to my my weekly link party and it was called Thrifty Thursday. And it was a lot of, you know, um, frugal and money saving bloggers or whatever that would come and share. And it was it had gotten to grow pretty big and pretty popular. It was like one of the popular link parties at that point. And um, so when my so I was starting to connect with bloggers and that's and I was in a lot of different blogger Facebook groups and I was going to conferences. And then when my husband quit his job, that was a big deal because it wasn't that wasn't very common at that point that like bloggers were retiring their husbands. I feel like it's really common now. So people don't think anything of that. But at the time it was it was a big deal. So it did make a lot of made a lot of waves. And that's when people really just were like, what, what are you doing differently? Like, why, what, what are you doing that I'm not doing? And was the thing that kept, that kept coming up. Um, well, I got so many questions. Okay. Um, (laughs) it's like going back in time. It's funny, you know, I don't always think about this stuff. I haven't thought about this stuff in years. Well, and I think it, it is such a pivotal, a pivotal time how everything, you know, if you've been in the blogging space for a long time, in fact, I was talking with some friends about that this week, you've seen things come and go and you have this different picture of the waves and how to ride them and what will happen next. And there is a, that is a good thing because then you can see, well, I've seen this come along and then something else come along and then people become obsessive about this and then obsessive about this that you have to find your steady point, right? And at some point, you do find that equalizer where you're like, okay, well, I'm just going to keep going because... Oh, yes. It's- well, and th- what happens though with when that happens and when you haven't had lots of experience in this, and I totally agree with you because now I have the hindsight or the the benefit of hindsight and the fact that I've been doing this for eight, almost nine years, I can look back and I can see all those waves. But at the time... You, if you have, if you're just riding the first wave, you think it's going to last forever, and you think, okay, I've made it, I've got it. Like my husband quit his job, I'm doing awesome. I just wrote a book about blogging. I literally wrote the book on blogging that everybody is reading, and because the book went to number two on Amazon the day that I launched it, like it was crazy. I didn't had no idea that so many people were interested in this topic, and and. I was feeling like great about myself <laughs> for a while, but like every time that's the thing about riding a wave, it's it, especially on a platform that you don't own, you don't have any control over that wave. And that has been a lesson that I've learned multiple times in my business. <laughs> yeah. Oh, for sure. So then when you're, okay, you're getting into this, Pinterest is growing. It's all, you know, you're riding the wave. When was there a switch for you that you were no longer going to invest four hours a day into Pinterest? What made what pulled you away from that? Because it's hard when you're seeing really great success to go, well, what if I stop? What's going to happen? That is so funny, actually. And I have not thought about this in so long. So I had at, by, at that point, after my husband quit his job and I um, ended up decide he came home and he was like, I think you should rent an office. And so, and I hired my first assistant and then hired a second part-time assistant. And, um, so things were, things were going well. I was making good money. I was feeling pretty good about it. And, um, but I was still like obsessively pinning every day. And I felt like I could not give that up. Like I, I had the magic, I had the magic touch. And I felt like if I gave it up, I would lose all my traffic and it would go away. And I actually got banned from Pinterest like two times. Um, like, And they, you know, reinstated me, but f- like talk about freak out both times. I was like, oh my gosh, this is my entire business. I mean, it was bad. And you would think that would have been like a wake up call of, hey, maybe you shouldn't have your business be completely dependent on somebody else's platform. But that wasn't at quite then. And um, so then finally, I, I think I went to church and the pastor, it was right around like right before Lent and the pastor was talking about like, what, you know, what are you, what, like what's taking the place of God in your life, I think was the sermon. And I had, it was like a real wake up call for me to go, oh, I think it's Pinterest right now. And I gave up Pinterest for Lent. Wow. Cold turkey. Went cold turkey on it. Now, I didn't get like, I passed it off to my assistant, Natalie, 
who like gave her the spreadsheet, said, here's what I'm doing and gave it to her. And she did such a good job with it that I never touched Pinterest again after that. Mm, I love that. I love that it wasn't just a short break that you were just done with it and you moved on to something else. I was done. I was done, but I needed to like say, okay, I am walking away. And the funny thing was for her was that she said, because I think she had been like helping me a little bit with it, but I was not willing to give it up. And then she said that she needed me to be completely hands off so that she could take full ownership of it. Yep. Well, and that's the thing that we see, you know, all the time, it's really hard for us to pin alongside people, the owners, because there's like when you have too many hands in the pot, right? It just gets super messy and there's all these expectations. And what happens too is that if you were going to still be involved in it and Natalie was going to still do it, her creativity and freedom to do what she was going to do based on what she was seeing gets a little bit squelched because she's kind of a little bit worried because you're there, right? Like, oh, what if I screw up and she's watching me and we're doing this at the same time? Yeah, like she was afraid to ever really like use her own judgment or do her own thing. And as it turns out, it was fine. And, you know, eventually then that that became something that I was really known for was like being like this Pinterest guru and went and spoke at a lot of conferences about specifically about Pinterest and about my Pinterest strategy. And then when I was ready to move on from that in my business, I was like, I don't think we need to be spending time on this. And that's when I called mm-hmm. you. And I remember how surprised you were when I, <laughs> I called was. You. I was like, what? You, don't you do this? You speak on Pinterest. How weird is this? <laughs> yeah, you're like, are you kind of like the Pinterest expert? Yes. Like, well, why do you want me? And I, and I, and it, it was funny because I handed it over to you and I've never looked back mm-hmm. in all those. And it's been a long time yeah, now. Three since, years. Since, mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's yeah, been a lot of changes. Maybe. I mean, gone are those days of like the glory days of pinning a ton of pins. Gone are those days. Yeah. And, you know, what I think is interesting is that, it, well, there's a lot that I kind of want to extract from that. But I one, I love that you outsourced. That was really good. And then you were able to take what time you were spending on Pinterest, those four hours. And you now had four hours free every day to work on something else yes. in your business. Yes, much more important thing. Yes. <laughs> that will that not and not that Pinterest isn't wasn't like it served its purpose and I I am not like I I am super grateful for Pinterest. Like I said, I my husband quit his job because of Pinterest. But I also got trapped by Pinterest and I see this happen so much with bloggers. Um is this this trap of chasing page views and thinking that your your income is always going to be dependent on the number of page views you have. And that's not actually true. And as long as you're in that trap of thinking that the only way I can increase my income is to increase my page views, you are going to be stuck forever. I mean, you might as well be a deal blogger because every day is like starting over. And that is that is how, like that's sort of the realization that I came to also in my business is that I can't do, I can't focus on like Pinterest can't be what grows my business. Page views can't be what grows my business. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I were going to link to an article that you wrote on the Elite Blog Academy blog, which I thought was really good. And we'll put the quote that I would love for you all to read in the show notes so you can get those and we'll leave a link at the end. But I love this quote that you said, and it says, I realized I was chasing stats instead of building a business and that the path I was on when completely outside of my control would never allow me to feel safe and secure. And then you went on to talk about the rise and fall of Facebook and Pinterest. And that's when you really made the decision to create a product based on some advice you got from Dan Miller. And you said it was a game changer. You said one that transformed my low six-figure business into a thriving seven-figure business, a business that has more than doubled in revenue every single year since. And I love this. You said, in fact, this year, despite the fact that due to the Pinterest changes, my blog traffic is only half of what it was the previous year, you were still on track to triple the previous year's revenue, which is... I mean, let's talk about that right there. Like, tell me a little bit. It's crazy, yeah, right? So, yeah. Holy cow. Okay. I, well, I do. I want to say this too. Like, and that was, that article was written a, a yeah, couple years ago, I think. Um, 
And I was just looking into this while, while I was preparing my talks for Activate a couple months ago, but I was looking at my revenue from 2013 and my page views from 2013. And in 2013, my page views were sky high, like well over, that was the Pinterest glory days, like well over a million page views a month, like maybe a million and a half unique visitors a month or some, some crazy, crazy number. And these days, my page views on my blog are maybe a third of that, which is still respectable. It's still a big, it's still a big blog. You do need some page views to make money. But my revenue is compared to what I made in 2013 is like 25 times, I think. 25 times the revenue with a third of the page views. So anybody who says that you need more page views to make more money, you are doing it wrong. I will tell you that right now. Yes. Yes, because then you're just chasing page views and you're on the hamster wheel and you're forever a slave to them. Forever. Forever. Yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Okay. So do you remember that? I don't think that the um, article had the quote, but do you remember like what Dan Miller said that like really? Oh, yes, I do. Yes. So this was actually like, this was a really pivotal moment for my, for my entire business. Um, Going to this conference, it was called the launch conference. And it was um, at, I think Michael Hyatt was one of the people who ran it. And um, who he had a business partner at the time they were together for a short time and then they were not together anymore. And I don't remember what his, his Ken Davis, Ken Davis was the other guy. And then they were friends with Dan Miller. And so I, you know, we talked about the, the Pinterest wave. We did not talk about the Facebook wave because that was the next wave that I started to ride. And Facebook was like an even bigger wave for me than Pinterest. If you can believe that. I remember many people from, Yeah, it was like this weird time where Facebook would just like pick a few people to smile upon. And uh, for whatever reason, everything they did was magic. And so magic, it was magical. And my every single post I would put on Facebook would go viral. I was like, pages were through the roof. My revenue was through the roof. Everybody was clicking on my, I could post an affiliate link on Facebook and it would go crazy. And like everything was wonderful. And I, once again, <laughs> thought I've got this thing figured out. It's great. It's wonderful. And was doing just like gangbusters and, and, and everything was wonderful. And all of a sudden it was like, a, it was like they turned off the spigot one day. And I remember it happened like two days before my birthday. And um, they just, it was like one day everything was great. And the next day, there was nothing crickets all my all of my facebook engagement and reach and everything went to like basically to zero and i was completely devastated devastated like what am i going to do this is the end this is the end of my business and it just so happened that i had signed up to go to this stupid conference like 2 days later two days after this happened and I did not want to go because I was like, what's the point? My yes, over. I might as well just quit and today. I might as well just quit today, but I'd already paid. So I just, and it was only in Orlando. So I decided to go and I went and that was where Dan Miller um, was talking and um, said, <laughs> remember anytime somebody asked me the same question, Three times I create a product. And I was like, what? I, people ask me the same questions over and over again. Why am I not creating products? And all of a sudden, and I remember they had us doing some brainstorming sessions on what products we could create. And I had written a, I had written a, my self published book at that point and, and seen success with it. And I had also, I think I had just published my, my traditionally published book also. But I hadn't really thought like beyond that, beyond books for products. I didn't, it, that was never really in my brain. And so that conference, everything changed. And I also realized, oh my gosh, I need to start working on my email list instead of, instead of <laughs> everything else that I'm doing. And so from that conference, it completely changed my entire strategy. That's actually the conference where I realized that Elite Blog Academy needed to be 
a product because everybody was asking me the same question over and over again, which is just tell me what I need to do to be successful. Just tell me step by step. And so I went back home. I created Elite Blog Academy. We filmed it and we launched it that fall. And man, let me tell you, that was the game changer in my business that started a whole um a whole lifetime of products. Yeah, it did. And one led to the other, led to the other. It's been fun to watch it unfold and to get these people in that follow your step-by-step and then experience great success. And as a result, they get to experience the freedom, whether it's retiring their husband or saving for something or getting out of debt. It's cool that you get to see the effects of the investment. Let me tell you, it is like, I mean, it's, don't get me wrong. It's great to make money. And I'm so blessed and grateful and happy and excited that my my company is able to support my family and all my employees and all of that. But, but being able to see the impact that we have on pe- real people's lives and real families' lives on a daily basis is like, there is nothing like that. I have the best, you probably feel the same way too. I have the best job in the entire world world. It could not be any better or any more gratifying. It really is the most, the coolest, the coolest thing on earth. And that's I. what I really love about Elite Blog Academy so much is that it, it's basically the result of every mistake that I have ever made in my business. And I was able to, because hindsight is twenty twenty, So I was able to look back and pull out the good and go back and look and go, okay, strategically, what were the things that actually helped me? And how do you, how do you approach this whole blogging thing from a strategic perspective instead of a tactical one? Because I think that like everything that we've talked about, everything I was doing with Pinterest was tactical. Everything that I was doing with, with Facebook was tactical. It was the tactic that was working at that time. And that was helping me ride the wave. And it's great. If you can ride a wave, ride the wave. But if you don't have a bigger strategy at play, you are ultimately going to lose the game because you have to be able to adjust your your tactics all the time to fit within your big picture strategy. And that is exactly what Elite Blog Academy teaches. Yes. And um, I want to, out of that, so you, you wrote an email to your Elite Blog Academy students and it was kind of addressing the same thing of looking, you know, following the waves and kind of trying to get them out of this. I kind of like to refer to it as a whole. It is a whole because you're only seeing such a little bit of what you're seeing. So you gave some tips for them. And um, I, well, I wrote them down in our notes. I don't know if you see them, if you want to go over them or if you want me to. But I think they were some really good, like, five things. So I can... Okay. okay. I don't so have let's the do notes it. in front of okay, me. Okay. So you, so I'll say each one of them, you can say kind of like a little bit behind that. One was check your stats monthly, not daily. Oh, or hourly. <laughs> Some people check them hourly. They're, it's like an obsession. Let, let me tell you right now, if you have the Google Analytics app on your phone, delete it right now. Just take out your phone. You're probably listening to this podcast on your phone. So look at it, go to that app and delete it. If you only do one thing, from this podcast, let it be that thing. It is so destructive to be obsessing over your page views. It is not healthy. It doesn't help you unless you are strategically looking and you can't get this information daily. You need to strategically look and go, okay, what's working? What posts are driving What posts are driving the most traffic? And how can I strategically create more posts like these ones that are driving the most traffic? But that is not something that you need to do every single day because if you're obsessing over it, it's not helping you. And it's taking up all of this precious time and mental energy that you could be devoting towards doing things that are strategically going to help you like creating amazing products or growing your email list. Yes. Amen to all that. And by the way, I have the analytics app on my phone. I don't even use it ever. (laughs) I don't even look at it. It's just there. Good. Don't look at it. And I used to have the analytics app on my phone and I would obsessively check my page views. I would. And I know I am not the only one who does that. And I have had EBA students admit it to me on a regular basis. And I always make them delete it. Yes. I love that action step. Number one. (laughs) Okay. So number two, (laughs) compare your progress to last year, not last month. Yes. Oh, this is such a big one too, because we forget that like blogging is very seasonal and it depends what 
particular genre or niche that you might be in. But, you know, generally summers are bad for all bloggers because people are not reading blogs. They're not on their they're not on their phones. They're hopefully out doing things in the world instead of surfing the Internet. And so if you're thinking like, oh, my gosh, I just had the most amazing month. And then the next month is not as amazing. All of a sudden you're feeling completely down and defeated and, oh my gosh, this is never going to happen for me or whatever it is. And that's not actually true. So I know it takes a while to get that wealth of data because if you haven't been blogging for a year, you don't have anything to compare it to. So your first year, just, just, do all, do all the things and put your head down, get to work. And if you're an Elite Blog Academy student, this is what I tell my students, just follow the steps in Elite Blog Academy. That's all you need to be doing right now is just follow the steps and put your blinders on and don't do anything else. But once you've had that whole year where you can then go back and say, oh, okay, this is what I did last January and this is what I did this January. I'm doing better. That's awesome. Like I'm seeing the progress. And then you can also use your... Google Analytics strategically, especially when it comes to Pinterest and stuff like that, then you can look and go, oh, these posts did really well last January. I should probably make sure that I have optimized them as fully as possible because they'll probably do well again this Mm, January. Yep. 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 I love that. And don't look at it on your phone. Just go look at it on your computer. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. So number three is focus on providing value. This one is... So, 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 so huge. I think of like anything for anyone ever, anyone in the content marketing space, the waves are going to come and go, but good content will always be good content, will always be good content, will always be good content. And if you are focused on putting good stuff out there into the world, good stuff is going to come back to you. And it doesn't matter what the platform is that rises or falls because your content is still going to be good content. And it's still going to be helping people. It's still going to be something worth reading, you know? And all of this has come out just like even in the past year, it's come out really, really strongly that Google is, you know, Google's algorithms get smarter and smarter and smarter all the time. And they very much... Um, favor anything that's high quality content or anything they deem to be high quality content. So when I first started blogging, and you probably remember this, like in 2010, it was all of these people were creating these like super spammy sites that were packed with with ads. And they were all stuffed with keywords, but they didn't have any actual good information. They were just trying to get like all the Google traffic and all of the all of the clicks for those ads. And that's how people were actually making a living. And they were doing that enough and making enough of those sites and getting enough keyword stuffing in them to actually make a a living from that. Well, Google did not want that. Google wants to bring the best possible results for every search. And so it's constantly looking for ways to improve that. So as long as you know that you're creating great content, you're going to be ahead of the game. And Facebook is doing the same thing. And Pinterest is doing the same thing now. They're all looking to give people high quality results. And so if you are providing high quality results, then you're ahead of everybody else. All righty. Number four, seek out accountability. Oh yeah, I we, ha- we talked about this. Did we talk about this on my on my podcast already today? Uh, I we've know been we talking been, for three hours. I know we've been talking for quite a while. I just feel like we. I know we've talked about it several times, straight. like keeping just having people truth tellers in your life. Yes, we did talk about that. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, having people who will give you perspective because it's easy to lose perspective. Uh, And so that doesn't mean going into a Facebook group and listening to what all the people in your Facebook group and all the drama and I'm not normally a huge fan of Facebook groups, um, especially free Facebook groups. I think if you're in a paid Facebook group for a course that's well moderated, that can be a source of good information. But you just got to be really careful because what happens is that there are a lot of people that will go and instead of doing their actual work, they will go and criticize the people that are doing the actual work. And they like to do that in Facebook groups because it makes them feel important. And so my advice for you is if you're going to seek out, if you're going to seek out advice online in those sort of blogger groups to really pay attention to the source and look at who's speaking and then go and pay attention to their results. Is that person who's telling you, giving you advice and pretending to be an expert, actually giving advice 
that is valid because they're seeing those results or are they just spouting off what they think everybody else is doing and jumping on some bandwagon? Because more often than not, it's the second option. And you really got to be smart and strategic. And I also recommend to get perspective from people who are not in the online world because <laughs> you can become incredibly myopic in your in your vision and what is important and what's not important. And I'm very thankful that I have a husband who could not care less about the internet or social media or any of those things. And more times than I can count, he has been the one to be like, who cares about that? That is not as important as you think that is. It is not important in real life. And sometimes I need that. I think we all need Yeah, that. definitely. I would definitely echo all of that, especially with the ones who are not online. And then with Facebook groups too, I will say that as well. And even though I do have a free Facebook group, one of the things we say is we are like, no drama. And we are very careful. Like if somebody's going to post something, you have to back it up with some real legit stats and why you're telling people to do this because I don't want to waste anybody's time. Our time is precious and there's no rabbit trails that are at all beneficial when you get into all of that. So yeah, even if you there's a couple people you want to join. I know that's what I love about inside the EBA group is it feels very safe for people to say like, I'm struggling or I have a hard time with this and you'll get really good, honest, solid replies instead of just had answers or somebody's anecdotal experience or whatever. Yeah, it's an amazing yeah. community. What I really love about that community too is that how the alumni just pours into the newer students. It's such a like yeah. love bubble. <laughs> and you know, I I I feel like the people who have had success with EBA instead of just going their separate way or thinking they're above that, it's like they're so grateful that they continue to pour in. And that's just been, it, it's amazing the leadership that we have in that group without even really having to ask for it. It's yes, just it happens naturally. I yep, love, I've love seen that, that too, for sure. Okay, so number five, the last one is just keep going no matter what. Yes. I feel like that is my motto for everything in life. And uh, because really, truly the only difference between people who are successful in this world or in any sort of business and the people who are not successful is that the people who are successful don't quit. They don't give up. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of times I'll tell my story and about how I started my blog and got, and made enough money that my husband could quit his job. And when I, when I talk about that story, it, it takes, you know, a couple minutes to tell the story and it sounds very easy and amazing. And it's this wonderful Cinderella story or whatever it is. And it's, it glosses over all of the hard parts, all of the pain, all of the doubt, all of the days where it sucked, all of the days where I tried things that didn't work, all of the times that I wanted to quit, all of the mornings that I got up at two o'clock in the morning so that I could work before my kids got up. It glosses over all of that and makes it sound like it just happens easily. And it never happens easily. And so many people quit in when it gets messy and when it feels hard because they think, oh, well, it's not supposed to be this hard. I've heard all these success stories and it sh- surely it wasn't this hard for everybody else. But it is. It's always that hard. It is hard for everybody and it will continue to be hard. It will always, there will always be hard parts of growing a business and running a business and doing something big in life. That's when you know you're on the right track. So just keep going no matter what and refuse to I feel like that's like a mic trap right now. Like, yeah, okay, we're done, right? Like, here we go. (laughs) This is good. And that is (laughs) such a good reminder. And I appreciate that you did end on that because... It's not just an instant success. And I think we're getting to this point where we've seen so many Facebook ads and so many stories and so many of these things that feel like it just happens instantaneously that we get these people who come to us and they're like, I've been on Pinterest for a month. Like, why don't I have like a hundred thousand page views? And I'm like, (laughs) oh, it's a slow burn. And they hate that answer. And I'm never... I made a commitment early on in my business. Like I would never, ever be the one to say that here's what you could expect. Here's how quick it would happen. I would always tell them it's going to be a while. It's going to be slow growth. Like, you know, I mean, I'm pretty conservative when I say one to 3% month over month, it could be more. But I want people to get into that framework that you're going to have to invest and it's not going to happen overnight. And you can't compare 
your traffic to somebody else's because if I was to compare my traffic to your traffic, we're targeting a totally different audience and we're serving totally different needs. And I would be, and I have at times run a launch or I've sold a product or whatever, and I've been very disappointed by the results. But the only reason I've been disappointed is because I have everybody else's metrics in my head. And I'm not looking at what my audience needs or what providing value. You know, that was number three. Like, Sometimes we get so caught up in, I want to, I want to win or I want to get to, you know, $10,000 or a five, six figure launch. Cause everybody tells me I can do like zero to 90 days and have a six figure launch, you know, and you just get so burnt out by all those like quick tracks to success that you give up and you just, right. You think it's supposed to be easy because it sounds easy when you're reading a two paragraph success story. And I mean, and the thing is, like those are it's not that they're untrue and it just you can't include all the hard stuff every time. So always understand that. It's like it's like when you scroll on social media and you, everybody it looks like everybody has a better life than you do because all they're posting are the edits and all they're posting are the highlight is the highlight reel. And the highlight reel is not the true experience. And I, I think in this, you know, I, I, and you know this cause you're in that community, but I go on the Facebook live every Friday in the, in the elite blog Academy, Facebook group and just answer questions and, and talk about whatever. And most of the time what I'm doing that every Friday is, it feels like I'm a lot of times saying the same thing over and over, which is don't quit, keep going. And, but you know what? People need to hear that encouragement over and over and over again, because we are humans and we are flawed people and we get discouraged because every time it gets hard, we, we feel so fired up when something happens or we go to a conference or we hear somebody talking and then we go home and all of that fired upness that we were feeling goes away. And we think there's something wrong with us because it went away because we're not on that high anymore, but that's actually not true. That's just what happens. And it, and so you have to purposely fill yourself up constantly with positive messages and remember and remind yourself, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. And yeah. that's all you can do. Just, Just keep, keep going. going. Well, that was amazing. And I appreciated your story and appreciated like all that I've seen you experience over the last, you know, eight, almost nine years. And I know that you have some exciting things coming up. So I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. I do. Yeah. Well, we've already yes. talked about EVA 4.0 coming up. So that's very exciting. And then the other super exciting thing coming up for 2018 is that I finally got around to writing another book and my sixth book, and it will be launching May 21st. It's called Do It Scared, Find, Finding the Courage to Face Your Fears, Overcome Adversity, and Create a Life You Love. And I feel like it's sort of my, like the culmination of truly like everything in my life has led me to this book of just really digging into what it means to to take action, to find your why and to overcome those fears in life and to actually create a plan for success. And I cannot wait for this book to come out because I think it's going to change oh, a lot. I'm so excited too. And I love that you have your podcast, Do It Scared, which so many great interviews on there. Like so many. Thank you. And I've been able to Thank you. Yeah, I love doing the podcast. Do you I do. love do you love podcasting? I have wanted to start I've wanted to start a podcast for so long and I never did it until this year. And now I'm like, man, why did I take so long? It is so fun. As you can tell, I really hate talking. It's <laughs> been right. very hard for me to think of anything. Well, and, to say. Yeah, I will agree. I will say that um what's really funny is that you'll get a lot of people that will come up to you at conferences and say, I listen to you when I'm at the gym or I listen to you when I'm getting ready in the morning. And there's such a deeper connection with your audience that you can't mm -hmm. get through through even social media, like even Instagram stories or anything like that. And it gives you an opportunity to oh, share. Yeah. Not just, I mean, obviously everything about what you want to talk about and people will stick around and they will listen. And I feel like you then get this new base of like hardcore followers who are 
doing business with you, which for me gives me so much motivation to hear, to get the Mm -hmm. letters back from people that say, this is what I'm doing with my Pinterest account, or I'll see somebody at a conference and they're like, oh my gosh, my Pinterest account grew by this much just from listening to your podcast. It is so cool. I, yeah, I love podcasting. Like, I don't think I'll ever stop. I mean, I'm sure I'll stop at some point, but like, you know, for right now, I feel like we're full steam ahead. Oh, I know. That's how I feel too. I just really, truly love it. And it gives you such a good excuse to reach out to people and that you admire and go, Hey, I'd love to chat with you on my podcast. And it's like, then you have an, then you have something to offer them instead. Cause I'm, are you awkward with, I think we've talked about this before too. I'm very awkward about networking and reaching out to people, but the podcast has made it much It easier. does make it easier. And there's sometimes people will email me with suggestions for topics and there may be just people in my community. And I love oh, that I get yeah. to interview them about their story because maybe they wouldn't ever have a platform or they wouldn't have somewhere else to tell mm-hmm. this amazing Pinterest story. But I get to say, we want to hear it. And then I want to inspire other people and how they can take what you've done and figure out how it's going to work for them. And it also gets to do, you know, gets me the opportunity to do things like this, where we get to talk about how much, yes, it's Pinterest, but it's so much more than that. Like it, it's a vehicle that helps like open up your business to a new audience so that you are able to grow a business. Like Pinterest is not the business, right? Like your business and what you do is the Mm -hmm. business. So I get to help people change a little bit of their mindset. I mean, that's, you know, what we talked about today. And I I feel like there's so much more we could say, like I could easily go and talk a whole other hour just about the mindset and making that shift. I know. I know we could go on forever, but so many, so many. Okay. Maybe we'll do in the interest interest of time. time, We will do round two at some point. Okay. Well, where can people, (laughs) what's the best place that they can get connected with you? Oh, so many places. If you are interested in Elite Blog Academy, and I do, I just want to say this about Elite Blog Academy, because I think that a lot of people have this idea um, that Elite Blog Academy is just for beginners. So if you've been doing this for a while, or if you're already established that you're not going to learn anything, or you're not, it's not going to be beneficial to you. And I can tell you that that is a complete misnomer. It was originally, Elite Blog Academy was originally created for non-beginners, and we had to actually add more resources to help the beginners. Um, But it is really all about strategy and not about tactics. So it's, it will give you a strategy that will help you grow a sustainable business for the long term and not just be riding wave after wave after wave. And so if you are interested in the Leap Blog Academy, it's not open right now. It opens in um, March of 2019, and but you can get on the waiting list, which you can find at eliteblogacademy.com. If you just want to connect with me everywhere else, just find me on Instagram. I'm at Ruth Sukup, and I have yes, lots of fun do. over there. Yes, you do. I've loved watching you invest in Instagram. It's been <laughs> so fun. And I will also say that for Elite Blog Academy and especially this new round coming up. And you did, you added a lot of people into that. I was a part of it as well as many others. And the interviews that we have in there and the questions that we're asking are really, really good good. business questions and us kind of going through all of that. So I I was even, you know, we were part of that little back row that was kind of listening in on all the interviews. And I felt like I needed to take notes a couple of times, like... I know. Well, right? luckily like, we were recording it So I, and I wasn't, I wasn't really like moving. I'm like, oh, should I itch? No, maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I'm going to sneeze. Um, but that being said, the content's really, really good. So definitely check it out for sure in the show notes. And thanks so much, Ruth. I, I just appreciate that we got another chance to talk today, but just to talk about this really, really important topic of seeing your business as truly a business and not just um, a blog or not just something small, but something big and how it can be really a tool that impacts the lives of other people, regardless of what niche you're in. So I just really appreciate that. Thanks so much. 